Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Our guest today is interior designer Haley English, principal designer of her eponymous firm, Haley English Interiors. Haley specializes in single-family homes and appreciates traditional yet approachable interiors for everyday living. Today, we're going to chat about creating classic designs for modern day living through bespoke drapery, upholstery, and one-of-a-kind pieces. And I also want to talk about mixing patterns, Haley, because you clearly love textiles. We're going to get into it a little bit more. Um, So I can't wait to hear kind of how, you know, what, what is a great textile for you, how you mix them together, you know, how you create your, your fabric schemes. But first I was hoping that we could, uh, kind of start with how you got into interior design. I understand you, uh, were in sort of the financial services business and then bought your first home and that sort of started your, your journey into interior design. But why don't you tell it from your, your perspective? Sure. Well, first of all, I'm very excited to be here. Love all things design. And I'm a big fan of the podcast. And um, thank you for making me feel so sane. We were talking about, you know, family life. And (laughs) thank you for making me feel sane and welcome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I am really a third generation designer. Um, I likely, I like to joke that I, I didn't really recognize how talented my, my mother and my grandmother were until I left home. And I'm sure a lot of us um, probably feel the same way. I, you know, walked into my dorm room freshman year of college and thought, huh, okay, <laughs> there's some room for improvement here. <laughs> um, I, I got, um, my business degree and with a, a minor in art And I'm really grateful for that background. I did indeed go uh, straight into financial services after graduating. And um, there's not too much creativity in in, uh, that space. You can get a little creative with estate planning, I guess. But um, I I think I always had this yearning to, um, to do something creative. Um, I've always gravitated towards English and French style, and I really love the mix of old and new. And I think that um, if you can hit the nail on the head with the old and new, um, it brings quite a lot of value to any design. Um, And I think generally my work is familiar. It feels you know, nostalgic for most. Um, but I think that it has some fun, fresh pops that are maybe unexpected, uh, with some newer pieces or symbols. Um, and a client, I was actually just messaging with a client before we jumped on who's so sweet, who wants, um, us to help, you know, round out her, her beautiful Spanish home in a historical district in LA. Um, and we started working with her when she and her family moved. And she said, every time I walk into a 
a room that you design, it, it just brings a smile to my face. And, um, I, you know, that, that house, that design was super eclectic, um, and fun and, and the clients were not scared of pattern and color. Um, so that was a really fun exercise, but I, I do think generally, um, that is a goal that I strive for that, you know, our designs should be happy, welcoming spaces um, that stand the test of time, but but overall just really welcoming homes. So, oh yeah, I feel like your spaces. When you said the English and French, I was like, oh yeah, because I, of course, when researching you, it was well, giggling to myself because I was like, I feel like this is very English, which is comical because <laughs> it's her name, which I'm sure she gets from time to time. <laughs> I'm glad that it worked out that way. Let's just say that much. Um, Yes, that is my my married name. And it coincidentally is is great. Um, But yeah, I I generally lean towards the English and French styles. And I think that mixing the two is, um, if you can do it eloquently, is very nice. And I know generally Ballard um, has a lot of beautiful lines and finishes that are both um, English and French. And I I love those pieces. I... um... I also was really loving going through your portfolio because I was a little bit caught off guard just because, you know, I kind of think, I guess I have a certain vision in my head of California and, you know, sort of the style that you might expect. And, um, yeah, you know, I know there's a, a range obviously, but I would say probably a little bit more modern, a little bit mm-hmm. more tonal and, um, you know, yeah, just more contemporary, I guess. And mm-hmm. so I just, you know, if, when I was sort of flipping through your portfolio, I was like, oh, wow, okay. Like, wasn't expecting this. And, and <laughs> you know, and like I said, the, you know, the, the, the layering really just stood out to me. Um, I loved all of the textiles you used. And um, so, you know, you, you kind of mentioned old and new. And I was wondering what, like, what... What when you're when you're starting a room from scratch, are there certain buckets that you think of as like, these are the things that I I find old, and then these are the things I add in that are new. Like, what is sort of your recipe, I guess, when you're bringing old and new together? Oh, that's a great question, um, and I I do think that Pasadena um, is the design scene is a bit different than what most people expect and, and are used to, especially in Los Angeles Um, and Southern California. I think, like you said, people expect maybe more kind of monochromatic designs, some designs that are a bit more contemporary, cleaner lines um, and maybe more coastal, honestly. I mean, that's, that's kind of, um, you know, what a lot of people are wanting, but I, I do find that the majority of the homes I've first started out um, designing in Pasadena specifically, um, you know, lend themselves to historical pieces, heritage pieces. And I'm grateful that a lot of the clients in the area appreciate those pieces. Um, They're not scared of the darker finishes or the layering. Um, They trust it because it's what they know. And so um, I really just play into that. But I think to answer your question, starting with a piece that, um, you know, has a story, whether it's a piece of artwork or, you know, an antique desk or, you know, a vintage side table, I think that um, it's so much harder to put those beautiful 
pieces into the puzzle at the end of the process. So I think it's very important to start with those pieces that have those stories that you know that you want to incorporate. Um, And I frankly love and enjoy learning about um, some of the pieces that are either family heirlooms or have a special meaning to clients. Um, They pick them up, you know, when they were traveling abroad um, or what have you, Um, or maybe frankly, they pick them up at, you know, the Rose Bowl flea market around the corner. Um, So I I do think for the sake of the recipe, starting with those pieces um, is the easiest route for sure. And then building upon that. um, And I also think that not overwhelming a space with too many of those strong pieces is also very important. Um, You want them to sing, you want them to have their space um, and be appreciated. And so, um, you know, the, the pendulum is important when it comes to the old and the new. Um, but, but definitely starting with the antiques or the vintage, um, and adding those newer pieces is the way to go. That's so smart. I, that, okay. In some ways that seems like such a no brainer, (laughs) but, (laughs) and like, so like, duh, but Mm -hmm. on the other hand, I feel like probably what most people do is they, um, you know, pick out, they go to like a store and they pick out a sofa and they pick out a rug and they pick out all these things. And then they're like, oh, how do I use my grandmother's like... I don't know, China cabinet or whatever. And they try to just slot it into whatever the room is. But if you do it on the front end and you say, okay, I have this China cabinet and I want to build my room around that, then you're going to pick pieces that make that cabinet better and make it, they go together like the finish, the finishes work or the, mm-hmm. the tones and your fabrics are going to bring out the whatever. And so that just like, duh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> Well, I'm looking at the background on your screen and it's just a beautiful built-in that looks like it functions really well. Um, But you also, you know, you're able to play into, um, it looks like kind of the older English aesthetic with the way that you put the RTBs up there. And I love that you were able to, you know, um, decide on a style that worked for, I'm sure, the other pieces in the space, but it needed to serve um, a purpose and be functional. You also, you know, added the extra layer with the RTB, um, which is the rod top to bottom. For those of you who don't know, um, we will talk about drapery later, but um, it's definitely a passion of mine. You can do so many different things with it and and adding, um, you know, that, that beautiful fabric, just it it makes that wall not feel like an afterthought. It feels like it was very methodical um, and it's done really well. Well, yeah, let's get in, let's get into your love of textiles because, and, and maybe we start with draperies and you brought that up. Um, if anyone goes and just takes a peek at your portfolio, there's a lot of layering of, of textiles. Gosh, there were some like cushions on chairs and and dining seats where you used like three or four different fabrics on one oh, yeah. cushion, oh, yeah. which I love. The ribbon on the cushion, that one side, you had like a knife edge cushion. You had done one fabric on one side, one on the other. And then even the ties were in another one. Oh, it was so good. So good. <laughs> oh, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Where where do you start with textiles? What makes you fall? What's, what's something that makes you fall in love with textile? It's a great question. I think it really depends on the space, but... 
I think it's really wonderful when you can find a hero fabric that um, will be used in maybe a couple of areas of the room that is multicolored because it gives you more flexibility with the space. Um, and I find that honestly, people, they, you know, they, they have sometimes a vision in their head. I want a blue and white room. I want a green and blue room. Um, if you find a, a larger medium to larger repeat fabric, that's got maybe three or four different colors in it. It gives you the flexibility to play with the details that you guys mentioned, which I think is just a cherry on top of any design adding, um, adding trimmings to, you know, drapery upholstery and whatnot. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of that grow grain um, tie, I think that you're referring to, and it's, it's a grow grain ribbon. It's, you know, it's like what you're using to, to wrap your friends, you know, uh, president. And it really did add an extra layer to the room. I think that um, you can have a whimsical touch with those, with those details. Um, but it, like you said, it, it starts kind of with, with that fabric. And so um, you can have more flexibility and more fun if you, you know, get a little bit outside of your comfort zone and go for the multicolor option. Um, and scale is everything. I think that um, it really depends on the application. If you can find something that's medium to large for a big surface, um, it's either maybe a window or maybe it's a sofa. Um, if you can go for it, do it, and then you can play on um, on that fabric with smaller repeats and, and smaller designs. But um, I would definitely start there, start your design there. Yeah, and the multicolor is always nice just because it makes it so easy if you get tired of it a little bit. You know, you can, you know, if it has like a blue with a yellow, you can like add some yellow pillows or you know, 10 years later, you still have this piece, but mm -hmm. you want to paint your room green. Like, you know, you can kind of, it has a little more longevity, I guess. Yes, I think. absolutely. And, um, I think it just, it, it adds a little, a little bit more oomph and more punch to the room for sure. Um, I'm actually working on, um, my best friend's uh, nursery for her first. She's in Arizona right now. And it's, it's you know, it's really fun. She she wanted just pink and white and we added some green in there. And now um, actually there's a lot more green and, and different, different, you know, um, different greens going on. And it's just, it's more interesting The the baby is going to grow into the room and maybe in 10 years, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it still fits, it still works. So, um, I, I'm with you. I think that if you're able to take the leap of faith and trust yourself or your designer and and um, and jump in a multicolors or bigger repeats, I rarely ever see anyone um, regret that. I think that people are are really happy with those decisions because again, at the end of the day, everybody wants to walk into a room that makes them happy. Um, and that suits their personality. So if you have a strong gravitational pull to a fabric or, um, you know, maybe it's a, a floral design or, or the color, listen to, listen to that and, and let that drive the beginning of the process. So you mentioned um, starting with your sort of multicolor hero fabric. I'm curious when you're putting a scheme together and you're trying to build on to that hero fabric, <clears throat> what are some like 
I guess, um, complementary patterns that you find you're always like going towards when you're making your, your, your fabric, uh, or your pattern sort of scheme. Sure. Um, I mean, definitely in my portfolio, you'll notice a lot of paisley. Um, I think, you know, that paisley is just, it's a happy, it's a happy fabric and repeat. And, um, that seems to be really enjoyed, um, across the board and there, there are different kind of fresher and new ways to look at those. Um, I generally, you know, am pulled towards, um, a lot of fabrics that look either hand block printed, um, or have some sort of um, origination from from uh, hand printing methods because there's a little bit of asymmetry and kind of inconsistency there, which I find to be very interesting. And it's so subtle. Um, some people are not. <laughs> that's outside of a lot of people's comfort zone, but. Um, I, I find that those kind of smaller repeats that maybe have some inconsistencies um, are surprisingly fun and whimsical and they help make the space not take it too seriously. I think that sometimes we get so caught up in maybe our inspiration and how we think a space should look, but um, I think that it's it really is about it's about the mix. And I would find um, you know stripes and checks work really well. Um, you know, to complement maybe a hero fabric. So I love doing stripes on a banquette or um, or upholstery. I think that it reads well. Um, and I think scale is everything. So again, really focus on the larger surfaces having, you know, the larger repeats and then smaller, smaller, you know, throw pillows and whatnot. Um, those will have kind of your, your smaller repeats, uh, maybe they're more floral or, um, or what have you, a smaller ticking stripe. Um, but that generally is a great rule of thumb that I find. You have some really great Roman blinds in some of your projects. Are the pattern considerations different when you're thinking about a Roman blind? That's a great question. Um, I mean, <laughs> you can really go down the drapery rabbit hole for days. Um, I think that it Ooh, And I usually do. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I want to go way let's down do this rabbit hole. Everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I mean, okay. So first of all, so I'll answer your question about Romans and then we can talk about um, kind of what style is best for, you know, what location, but um, Romans are generally most people's go-to in bedrooms or offices and whatnot. Um, I think it depends on the use of the space. If you're able to get away with a big outside mounted Roman, um, it's great to pull the eye up and often it makes the windows feel maybe taller or larger than they are. Um, it, it also depends on all the other aspects of the design in the room. So as far as um, patterns and repeats. If you can find a larger repeat for one of those big outside mounted Romans, that's great. Maybe you have to do inside mounted Romans because it's a, it's a kid's room and it's got to be blackout and heaven forbid, you know, the sun wakes them up at five in the morning. That's an important choice. That's, that is part of the process. Um, and so, you know, you can do, um, something that's more simple and add if the room is, um, 
has maybe, let's say for this example, a kid's room has a lot of maybe bolder, punchier colors in the palette. Um, maybe you do something more subtle on the inside mounted Romans and you add some beautiful tape that's, you know, um, along the edge, three-sided, and it just incorporates the other, the other, um, you know, factors of the design into, into the drapery. Um, I, I find that trim can take you a long way if you're a little bit shy about using a, you know, colored patterned, um, bold fabric on your drapery. It's a commitment. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're drilling this into the wall or the casing for hopefully a very long time because everyone knows it's an investment. So you want it to function well. That's the first and most important part. Um, but you want to be happy with looking at it every single day. It's different than the paint on the walls, right? You can you can change that out, change that out, you know, much more frequently than your drapery. Um, so, so you like the outside mounted Roman, and that goes above the window pane or on the window pane. It depends. Um, preferably above. Okay. I think standard is about six inches above, but. I've played with it before. I mean, some of these old houses in the area are beautiful, um, but their dimensions are a bit different than um, newer homes. And so there's absolutely nothing wrong with um, mounting, you know, a rod a little bit higher than that or, you know, for drapes or Roman shade higher so that it gives the illusion of a bigger window. Um, And I find that almost everybody wants that illusion. Um, and it, it brings the eye up as well. And I think that that's really important. And you can mix Romans with drapery because sometimes windows across a room or doors are involved too. We get a lot of questions with people who have doors that lead somewhere and shorter windings, windows or bigger windows. So how do you usually do a room window treatments when it's a whole bunch of different options? Sure. So. It's funny, you're making me um, think about one of my first clients who um, we were talking about drapery options. And actually, she um, she went all out, which I love for her. She she did motorized. Uh, she did um, a motorized system. So it was a really beautiful inside mounted woven wood, which was sheer, but let the light in um, for that that natural texture, which I loved. Um, and then we did an outside mounted Roman with you know, all the trimmings and whatnot. And it was blackout. It was, um, there were three Romans. They, you know, sometimes people are worried about safety. So they might want to put it on a clutch system as opposed to cord and cleat, which, you know, a lot of young families that I'm designing for prefer that. And then some people just go, I don't want to deal with all these being different heights. I'm going to put it on a motor. Great. More power to you. That's that's the dream. Just press the button. Um, I don't think that there's anything wrong with, um, you know, adding like an inside mounted Roman um, and and drapes or inside mounted Roman and then a Roman on top of that. I, I'm not often doing, um, unless it's an interior, you know, French door situation with a Roman shade mounted onto it. Um, for some reason, I'm rarely doing um, drapes and Romans um, on different windows in the same room. But of course, every room in a house has different needs um, as far as privacy and, you know, light. Um, so in any house, in any client's home, you can have a, a 
large mix of all different styles, but definitely stick to um, kind of the same style if you can for each window of one room. Um, and I find that that usually there's no pushback there, but I'm laughing thinking about this client who um, was really excited about, about these shades, these, this option that we came up with. Um, and then a week later, she was like, you know, my husband is so stressed because when you're in the backyard and you're looking at the house, you can see that there are drapes down on the first floor and then Roman shades on the top floor. And I was like, it's okay. It's, it's, it all depends on the uses and it's fine. And I think he might be the only one noticing that. And that's okay. That's normal. Oh my gosh. And to be the husband who like, that was his thing. <laughs> I think everyone's got their thing, their question. I mean, I'm asking questions to myself all the time, like, huh, does that make, does that make sense there? Um, but no, that one threw me for a loop for a second. Um, but it, it really does depend on the use. So for example, in my kitchen area, um, we are lucky enough to have privacy in that area of the home. Um, but we wanted to, you know, get rid of some of that morning glare, that harsh sunlight in the morning. So we did some chick blinds. So chick blinds are really fun because they roll up, they're casual. Um, they have kind of like a, an old world vibe to them. They're not, they're not always laying um, and falling at the same height. So you have to be a little bit okay with asymmetry, but they're, they're fun. And they, they give you the option of, um, you know, blocking the sun a little bit, but they're very aesthetically um, pleasing and they're, they're made with a, a woven kind of natural material, which is really nice. Um, so you really have to think about the use of the room um, and, and also what is your comfort level? I had a client who, um, you know, on one side of the house, as a lot of people are situated, maybe their neighbors can see <laughs> into some of the windows. And I don't care if you're best friends with your neighbors or not, you don't, there's some things that people do not need to see. So um, we, you know, we'll put cafe curtains into, um, into a bathroom to allow a lot of the sunlight and maybe some of the, tr the views of the trees up above um, to come in, but it gives you that privacy. And then doing a pair of them is wonderful because you just open them as soon as you exit the, the powder um, and you get as much possible natural light in there as opposed to doing a Roman shade where even if your shade is all the way up, 90% of the time you're blocking a lot of that light. You were talking about your house and I it maybe kind of want to go back because <clears throat> I was curious how the experience of decorating your house was, um, you know, before you had started your design business, like how, how did you approach working on your house and, and furnishing it um, in the beginning? It's a great question. Um, you know, we uh, are so lucky that we found our forever home and were able to make it happen um, as soon as we did. And we, we really just, I think that a lot of the decisions that we made when we were under construction um, were a bit tricky in the sense that we, we knew in our minds, um, this is an investment, but hopefully all these decisions that we're making will stand the test of time for how our family lives. Um, of course, I had so I, I had a toddler and a newborn at the time, and then um, COVID hit, and so um, you know it was it was a bit stressful. But 
honestly, a lot of, a lot of the drivers in our decisions were how do we want to live our family life? What are our priorities? Um, and I think that those, those drove a lot of decisions that we made. We had a, a great, um, architect who asked us the tough questions and made us be really honest with each other. And, um, I think that, I think that when you're, when you're investing in your home, you have to be honest with yourself and how you will use each space daily. Um, and no one has a magic, you know, ball, crystal ball. Um, but if you can do as much anticipating as possible, but also, make decisions that will provide um, some flexibility in the future, that's the best possible route that you can, um, that you could take. And I can touch on the flexibility um, later on. Did you recognize your love of English and French sort of style early on to where even at this point you were still, um, you know, you were using those kind of elements in, in your, in your home? Absolutely. Um, I just picked up a ton of coffee table books as we all do. And everything that I gravitated towards was, you know, English cottage, um, farmhouse. And, um, the home that we are in is a historical 1912 arts and crafts home. Um, and so I really, you know, needed to lighten up a lot of the, the, um, a lot of the details, but also, you know, pay homage to those, um, those design factors. And, um, I think that I, I really do think I just listened to my gut as far as what felt like home to myself and, um, to my husband. Um, luckily for me, <laughs> my husband, um, grew up in a home with lots of color, lots of pattern and texture. And, um, so that made my life easier when we started talking about specifics. He wasn't, he was not shy, um, with color, but I think that really, um, it, it really boiled down to kind of how we, as far as the, the floor plans and whatnot, how we anticipated using the space. There was there was no mud room um, back in 1912 when the house was built. You know, there there were, were public spaces of the home and, and private spaces. There were spaces that were for the family um, and sleeping porches. And then there were spaces that, frankly, the family who lived there often wouldn't go, which would be the kitchen. Um, and I think that being honest with ourselves um, about how we wanted to to use those spaces was hugely important. I know a lot of us say that when we're entertaining, we got to get everyone out of the kitchen, but everyone's there. And why not make it a happy place? Why not make it a, a place that functions the way that you need it to, but a place that you really want to spend a lot of time in because um, not only during COVID, but still a lot of us are spending a lot of times um, time in our kitchens, our family rooms. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of people were surprised by when they first started coming over after we had finished um, was that we don't have a, a formal dining room. Um, there was a formal dining room in the home when we purchased it, and it just it didn't make sense to us. It was a it was a hard decision to make, but we actually put the dining table in the great room and. It's that great room is a multi-purpose space now, um, which has been wonderful. I um, we we are hosting friends all the time. Are we having dinner parties? 
we're, we're not having a ton of dinner parties. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the parties that we're hosting are, you know, kid friendly and that's fine. Um, our house functions the way that we, we need it to. Um, and I have clients who all they do is host dinner parties and I love that and book clubs and, um, and whatnot. So, and, you know, holidays. Um, and so their emphasis and the frequency in, in which, um, you know, they're using their dining room is very different than mine. And so I think, um, you know, getting down to um, the truth about, you know, how you want your house to function is one of the, it's one of the hardest decisions to make. But if you can, if you can um, figure out what your needs and wants are, just lean into that. I mean, we are, we were talking about this beforehand, but um, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy life with little ones and we, um, we needed a, a drop zone and a lot of people need drop zones maybe when they get home from work. They've got um, a lot of things in their hand or maybe they're, they're balancing their, their, their dog and a leash and whatnot. We have a mudroom that has um, taken a hard hit <laughs> and feeding from our kids, but it's been great because it therefore alleviates um, pressure from the entry, which is more of a formal spot in our home. Um, and so a lot of those design decisions were very methodical um, and they were, they were um, taken very seriously. Um, but I also think that um, I'll, I'll speak to flexibility. I think that, um, you know, your life does change so much in five to 10 years so when you're investing in pieces or when you're maybe going to the extent of doing built-ins, make sure that you're, um, you know, installing adjustable shelving. Your needs will change. Your wants will change. Um, it sounds so silly, but put put more furniture than you think you need to on casters. <laughs> um, oh. You know, maybe it's raining and you're, yeah, and you're, you're hosting something inside that you didn't think you would be. Um, and I think that, um, that's proven to be really wonderful for us and for our clients. Um, we have a, um, recent project that we did, uh, actually around the corner and, um, the, the wife, you know, is, is hosting, um, book clubs and volunteer groups all the time. And, um, she, she loves symmetry. The husband wanted as a lot of clients do in LA of all places, uh, the floor plan to revolve around the television and that's okay. There's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. That's a reality. Um, so what we did there was we came up with a few different options for the floor plan and all the bespoke pieces that we had made for the space. All of the dimensions worked in two to three different floor plans beautifully. Um, and it's not something that they need movers to come in and help them shift around. Almost everything is on casters and works well given the occasion and can be moved daily and is meant to be moved daily for family life, um, for entertaining, for, you know, you know, watching the the Super Bowl or what have you. So um, I think that that has proven to be a big part of um, the designs that we're doing. It's um, allowing spaces to be flexible and knowing that um, that is, that's part of any design. Um, you're investing in your home and, um, you know, you, you want it to last as long as possible. So, um, think about how you use, you know, your space daily, but also think about maybe how you want to in the future and let those drive your decisions. I love that idea of designing your home for modularity and being able to move things around. Um, so, 
are you thinking about fabrics that you're selecting on these bespoke pieces that so that they can move throughout different home different rooms in your home? That's a great question. Um, I think it really depends on um, the overall house style. If someone's in more of a um, mid-century modern, which I'm not doing a, too many of, but um, if it's more of an open floor plan, yes, that would be the goal. Um, if you are, um, if you've got these pieces mostly designated for one room, um, then they'll likely, you know, they'll likely stay in place, but it's not to say that, um, you can't bring a slipper chair over from another room for, you know, a a holiday or what have you. And that's the goal. The, the, um, the ability to be able to do that, I think starts with making sure that the color palette for the house and, and the style of the the furniture and all the rooms is fairly consistent. Um, and then you do give yourself the option down the road to pick and choose kind of depending on the occasion, maybe where things go. Well, it seems like a lot of antiques, I don't know, there's like the occasional chair and antiques were so much smaller and like lighter to where they really were meant to be more multi-purpose, I assume. I don't know. But I feel like an antique, it's like, you feel almost a lot easier. Chairs, obviously not like large case pieces, but antique chairs are just so much easier to pick up and move around. There's just something about the scale, I guess. I don't know. You know... I think you're right. I think um, we are so much more about (laughs) comfort, to be honest, um, today than we probably used to be. Um, But I'm I'm lucky enough to kind of um, come across pieces um, that maybe are are antique or vintage desks or um, Mm -hmm. maybe they're bigger pieces. Um, Like maybe there's a chaise. I I like to tell the story of uh, my mother-in-law's chaise that was nicknamed in her family, the mole, um, because it actually was in her room when she was growing up and it was a, a, um, a darker kind of corduroy color and they called it the mole. It looked like a big large and now, um, and it's been, you know, reupholstered, um, several times to have new life. Um, and it lives actually in my son's room now. But um, I think it really depends on on um, what you are open to um, envisioning for your space, what you're able to rework, what you want to keep um, as far as, you know, maybe patina or the stain um, of that that older piece. But um, I do think I think it I think that a lot of possibilities, um, you know, can occur when you're open to reworking pieces or, um, you know, painting pieces, um, and whatnot. And, and just being, being able to, um, kind of take the leap and, and try it out. And maybe it doesn't work. Maybe, maybe, you know, that piece doesn't work in the space and that's fine. If you love it and it has a story, um, you know, wrap it up, put it in your gently, put it in your garage and, um, there will be a, a place for it, but if it's a priority for you, maybe start with that and work your room around it. Like we mentioned earlier. I think one of the ways that I love seeing in your work, the way that you combine kind of a mod modern look with the classic is that it seems like you have a lot of your rooms are kind of really bright, white, beautiful, crisp paint mixed in with 
and then you bring in the color on these bespoke upholstered pieces. Um, is that is that something that we can that we can look to to kind of contrast, like bring in some modern and bring in some classic? I guess that's not really a question. No, I, yeah, I absolutely think, I mean, I know that this is something a lot of um, listeners are often doing. And frankly, for those who feel like maybe they don't want to commit to wallpaper, maybe they don't want to commit to putting a color on the wall because um, it's a hard decision to make. You know, you you have to look at the paint like in 15 different <laughs> points throughout the day because it changes color. And that's fine. I think, I think having walls uh, serve as a blank canvas is nice sometimes because it allows you a little bit more flexibility with um, the textiles that you're using maybe, or maybe um, you're adding a layer into the room because the drapes are going to be a little bit more bold and vibrant because your walls are, are lighter and crisper. Um, so it really depends. And then it goes, it goes both ways. So um, if you, if you look at some of the more maximal uh, <laughs> designs that I've done, um, if you do have a, a busier wallpaper on the walls, then I think the drapery should be a bit more subtle and more clean lined. Um, I think that I think it is about the mix, definitely. Um, and I think that um, there's there's nothing wrong with crisp walls. Um, I think that that's a great starting point, definitely. Well, I was wondering if we, um, Liz, unless you have a, a, a final question, but I thought maybe we should talk about Jordan's, um, I guess, sort of playroom, guest room. Yeah, I think this is an exciting dilemma, dilemma that we she have. Has. Let's go ahead and get to it. So Jordan says, hey, y'all. I recently found your podcast. My baby girl only naps on me right now. <laughs> so instead of numbing my mind with a show, I became a certified interior decorator through IAP. That's very cool. And we'll hopefully soon start working part-time for an interior designer in our area. My husband is building a big shop. So the garage, which I'm guessing was sort of his workplace, um, is going to be a decked out family room. We have a six month old. She's our first. So we need kid friendly for the next decade. It is also it also has to function as a place for guests to sleep because the next kiddo will take the guest bedroom. Then poof, we have nowhere for people to stay. <laughs> We're always hosting company, especially with my fam family being out of state. I've attached pictures of the main area. My dilemmas. I want big, beautiful light fixtures where those ancient globes are. But we live in South Carolina and I need some airflow. I hate ceiling fans. What do I do? The cinder blocks are an issue. It's a it's a, um, a garage that they're turning into a living room um, or family room, but it has cinder blocks, I guess, um, sort of in the bottom, like two feet of the wall. So that's what she's talking about. Um, I don't want to utilize or highlight them because our entire interior is industrial cafe, sort of has an industrial cafe vibe. Uh, but I want something different. I love maximalism and follow all of your guests and all of their work, but that's not the image that keeps coming to mind for the space. I want it to be functional, homey, not compete with the outdoors, but still be fun for the kids. Do I layer with textures on the walls, upholstery, furniture, um, or do a bolt pattern? The stairs, um, do I need to restain them, paint them? Any other ideas? We'll end up doing a frosted glass door into the house. 
I've attached images that I continue going back and forth um, on for the natural forest feel and colors for the project. I keep picturing black, iron, and gold for the metals, gorgeous green colors, um, deep plum, dusty lavender, grayish, pops of black and white, lots of woods with some rattan. I want to either stain or paint the concrete floor. I'm down to paint the ceiling the same color as the walls and add more crown molding. Um, I don't know. My brain is everywhere. There's also going to be tons of natural light in the space. Looking forward to learning more and hearing what advice you have for the, for this room. All the pictures are attached. So, oh, she has a, a bit, it's a big room, which is great because she has a lot of, you know, space to play with, lots of possibilities. Um, it is a garage. I'm guessing they're going to be closing in like the the, you know, garage door with maybe some windows and doors. Um, so Haley, what do you think? What would you <laughs> that do? Was one of the, that was one of the first questions um, that I had. But first of all, Jordan, congratulations. Um, I was feeling nostalgic when I read this because it wasn't that long ago that, and I'm sure you all had the same experience, you know, balancing mom life and, um, and, and multitasking and it's a lot. Um, but I commend you for, um, you know, all that you're trying, trying to do here. And I, I love your ideas. Um, I, I was wondering, you know, if accordion doors in place of the, the one large door on that entire wall would make sense. Um, I think that even if they were, um, mostly glass or completely glass, you would really gain and benefit so much more natural light, um, into the space. And yeah, it's, it's a big wide open space. I love that. Um, and commending you for this, not turning into a man cave <laughs> because, um, I, I know a lot of people who I think during COVID, um, you know, kind of had a little bit of back and forth, like we've got this extra space and we need it to function in so many different ways. And maybe there's one person in the house who wants to claim it for the, their own, but this is great that you, I know you need to accommodate your large family. Um, think about, uh, we touched on this earlier, uh, the furniture pieces being somewhat flexible. I don't know if that means maybe a sleeper sofa, um, I don't know if, um, you know, this needs to also serve as um, a, a working space for either you, which I highly recommend you carving out um, somewhere in the home um, or your, or your um, SO. But um, I love, I have to say, the um, secretary desk from Ballard. It's the San Marino, um, which I think is named after a town close by. It's beautiful. Um, and there's a hutch that comes with it. It'll help you with storage. But um, my, my, my biggest um, takeaway is that I think that built-ins could really um, help maximize storage here. So if you need it to function, um, and again, it's removed from the house, if you need it to function um, as a place where a lot of people are using it, um, consider investing in built-ins on that wall, the, the TV wall. And I would even just do the entire wall, like 30 inch high, uh, built-ins to hide, um, 
you know, all the, all the behind all the nooks and crannies, everything that you need it to, you can do, um, RTBs, which is something we touched on earlier, which is, um, if you have a glass built in, go ahead and maybe put a little, um, beautiful fabric, uh, drapery behind it to add another layer to the space. I know we talked about, um, uh, some possibilities, some color, but I do generally think, uh, because this is such a beautiful, big open space and you want a lot of natural light coming in that maybe leaving the, the walls, um, crisper could go a long way. I know you asked about the stairs, painting them, keeping them. I think it'd be nice to, to lighten them a little bit if you could. Um, and then as far as molding, I would really, um, look at, look at, uh, the finishes and the molding and the floors in the main house and try to mirror what you're doing there in this space. It will, um, it will make a really big difference in, in the space feeling, not like an afterthought, but just an extension of the home. Um, so if you're not doing crown molding necessarily in, in the main home, I wouldn't feel the need to do it, um, here. Um, so that's just something to consider, but I do like the idea of painting the floor and then, um, Go, you know, grab yourself a beautiful hand knotted ballard rug um, to soften it up a bit and get maybe a thicker, um, a thicker pad to make it more comfortable and plush for baby. Um, and then, you know, think about maybe nesting tables for flexibility. Um, I love the option of, again, having, um, you know, pieces like slipper chairs or ottomans that you can pull up for game night um, or, you know, movie night or what have you. Um, and I think that, I think you're off to a really great start. I love that you are gravitating towards pops of burnt orange. I think that's fun. Again, just whatever you're doing in the main house, try to kind of keep it consistent. Um, and then I, I love that you're not scared of some of the stained wood finishes, some of the darker wood finishes. Um, I think that that goes a long way and doing pops here and there of, um, some of those kind of more natural materials really warms up a space. Um, would love, would love any other, um, kind of thoughts or suggestions from you all, but I will say, and I tell this to every, every kind of new mom or parent that I know, um, Crayola mess, this is not an ad Crayola mess free. <laughs> markers have changed our life. Uh, my kids have, you know, wallpaper in their bedrooms and um, you're going to the extent of building out this beautiful big space and you're probably going to have some new pieces in there. And nobody want. I mean, we want our kids to be creative, but we do not want crayon on our brand new sofa. So um, I would invest in some of those amazing markers. They're magical. Um but otherwise, I think that you're you're asking all the right questions. Um, I love that you are being productive and you know and and multitasking, and um, it's an exciting time for your family. And I love that you're leaning into it. Um, and for those that come and visit, uh, they're I'm sure going to thank you for for dedicating this huge, beautiful space um, to serve them as well. <laughs> I second everything. I love all those ideas. I, I was just going to chime in with two thoughts that I had for you. Um, I, the, my concern, if this was my garage is that it would feel cold because of that concrete. And if you're going to have your kids like playing on the floor, 
you might consider maybe like a um I know like people don't love carpeting, but maybe a natural fiber wall to wall, like a sisal or a seagrass. And then I also did, which I'm kind of like, I love, but um, it's a indoor outdoor natural fiber wall to wall. And it's a little bit softer than like a sisal would be. I've been very happy with that. So I was just gonna mention that. And then doing like your hand knot, um, like you, like you suggested Haley on top, just because, you know, um, I don't know. I think like, a that concrete floor is going to feel a little bit cold. And so I was just thinking like, what are the ways that you could really warm it up and make it feel really cozy? Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is if you did like a sleeper sofa, like you mentioned, just like really go to town on the like the, drink, the linens and stuff that you put on the sofa and just really doll that up when you have friends or um, guests come to the house, you know, like great duvets, great sheets and pillows and, you know, put some flowers on a little gar like garden stool next to the arm of the sofa or your side table or whatever. And just like really make it feel if, you know, because they are going to be like in, hi, hi. <laughs> There you are. Because, <laughs> um, you know, if you are going to have friends come and stay or family come and stay and they're more or less staying in your playroom, you know, how can you make it kind of feel special? Or um, I was also thinking, what if you did some sort of like upholstered screen or some kind of screen that you could sort of move um, by the bed when it turns into a guest room, you know, to kind of create a little sense of privacy. Um, I don't know. That was, that, those were my, my few thoughts, but I think all of that would go with everything that you suggested Haley too. Liz, what are your thoughts? You, you were about no, to say I think something. That, I think that that's great. I think investing in a good mattress topper too, if you're having a dual guest room slash family room, um, that's something that we that we deal with because we are out of bedrooms for guests. So that's that's a key thing just to make people feel a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more like they're not in your living room. Yeah, and sleepers have come a long way. So I, you know, they have. They've come a long way. But like when you when you kind of um yeah, do like a mattress topper, some great pillows, really good sheets and you just like kind of make the whole bed up as like this really you know, I don't know. I keep saying dolled up, but like, you know, this really like lush bed, it'll, you know, makes it feel less like you're putting people on the couch. It's true. I think it's so exciting that she's going to be getting so much more family and living space out of this garage. That's, that's pretty brilliant. Yes. Very exciting. Um, and I love Haley, I loved your idea about the built-ins, like kind of on the TV wall and then a secretary desk. Ah, that would, I don't know. I think that secretary would really sort of, um, elevate this room, I guess, a little bit and make it feel like more of a, you know, special, I guess, special. All right. Well, Jordan, best of luck. Please send us after photos once you, you know, execute all of your ideas. Um, I loved kind of some of the colors that she mentioned, like plums and lavenders and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ochre. Ugh, 
And thank you for listening too. Yes. We appreciate it. And and congrats on becoming, you know, doing um, your design classes. That's really cool. What a, I wish I had been that productive <laughs> during <laughs> nap times. Same. I could have turned nap times into a, another degree. Why not? Well, Haley, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, and see your work? Sure. Haley English Interiors. It's, and then on, um, on Instagram, I believe you're also Haley English Interiors, and your website is haleyenglishint.com, right? All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Loved, loved getting to see your portfolio. Thank you all. This was really fun. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!